seated. Thank you. A uh, couple of things before we jump into the word today. Uh, secondly, my name is Ray, one of the pastors here at Calvary. Thank you so much. You've made my day by being here. I just want you to know. If you, if you like less crowds, there are fewer people at the Saturday night. And so if you'd like to come on a different night, less people, feel free to come. But that one's going to fill up too. But uh, anyway, listen, before we jump into our, the scripture today, most of us in this room know that there's, there's some really bad stuff happening in the Ukraine. And some of us have friends there. I've, I've heard from people in our congregation who have friends there or know of someone who knows someone there. And, and here's my thing. Uh, this, is, this is about more than tanks and guns and soldiers. This is, uh, for me, in one regard, this is the evil one, the devil getting in his last shots before Jesus comes again. And so we, you know, this is a spiritual battle as well as anything else. And, uh, you know, these people are just like us. They have homes. They have children. They have grandchildren. And they're fighting for their lives today. And it kind of puts into perspective maybe some of the things we deal with when we realize there are people whose entire way of life may be turned over in the next week. So I think it would be at least the, the very least we can do and the most powerful thing we can do is to pray and say, God, we're standing in the gap with the Ukrainian people saying, God, have your way, do what you need to do. God, bring salvation to these people. Push back against the enemy. Would you pray with me? Father, we just, right where we're seated, we just pause. Lord, our hearts are so heavy for those who are going through these difficult moments. These are real people struggling today, fighting in the streets for their city. Lord, if we get nothing out of this, may we fight for our city against the principalities and powers of this world. Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus, you would push back. Lord, in whatever your perfect will would be, may it come to pass for the people of the Ukraine. We're going to trust you with not only our future, but theirs. God, do what only you can do. Bring victory, we pray, in whatever form it looks like. In Jesus' name, we ask and believe these things. And everybody said amen. 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 Thank you. Got something caught in my throat here. Uh, while, I'm, while I'm drinking it up here, would you stand? And let's turn to Philippians chapter 3. Uh, <clears throat> sometimes I, I get a little embarrassed because I do get wound up, but if you want to know someone who got really wound up about Jesus, it's the Apostle Paul. So let's read verse 7. Chapter 3, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Verse 10, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Paul said, not that I've already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus 
took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Boy, I love that. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You may be seated. Well, here we are, and uh, we're, we're finishing up the series called The Way Forward. And there have been some great messages. I hope you take time to, to just go home and watch them or, or listen to them in, a, in whatever form you can. Uh, Pastor Daniel uh, really uh, touched my heart with the message of restoration, how to respond to those who have fallen, responding to them with grace. He talked about in the sermon having godly wisdom and how to approach the world and the way forward with wisdom. Pastor Taylor talked about the way forward, living in God's reality and minimizing the distractions of our life. He gave a message on the importance of refreshing our soul in Christ. And then perhaps the best speaker we have here at Calvary, my wife, Mary. She talked about how, yeah, you better not clap. Um, <laughs> gave a great message on pain and, and suffering and allowing Christ and kingdom principles to move us forward. I just recommend these messages to you because they were all phenomenal. How many will agree we're living in interesting times? We really are. I, I went to the dentist this last week, uh, Dr. Nordley, and he shared with me, uh, you know, we were talking, he's looking at my teeth, he said, Ray, you got some grinding going on. Well, I didn't know that. And he says, but you're not alone. He says, it's amazing to me how many people are grinding their teeth right now. He said, the last two years, the stress level's been so high, they don't even know it, but they're grinding their teeth. And it's, it's kind of interesting when he started talking about that, all the stress from the last two years. Then you look out in the world, and I don't know if you've been to the gas station lately, but prices are going up. I called, my, my brother called me the other day, and he said gas is over five bucks down in Southern Cal. Over five dollars, and it's supposed to get higher here and go up. Uh, have you been to Safeway lately? You know, first you get a cart and you load it up, and now you get this, for the same amount of money, you carry a basket. And so on and on it goes. Talk with people over in, in Africa, different places, and some who attend here who are from there. And it's pretty dire over there. Poverty levels are extremely high. Unemployment is rampant. And uh, famine in many countries that shouldn't have famine, but they do. Uh, you'd have thought we'd have handled that a long time ago. And droughts, even here in our own country, even parts of, our, of the states are experiencing droughts. You drive by lakes, I, I think of the one when I drive to California, and it's so far down, Lake Shasta. And, and so here's the question. What's the way forward in the midst of all this stuff we're dealing with? What's the way forward? Now, you got to understand that I'm preaching to me today, and you get to listen in. I'm preaching to me. This is a sermon for me, teaching for me, and you get to listen in. Uh, the way forward uh, is this. Six points real quickly this morning. The first one is this. When we realize all the things that are happening around us, let's be careful not to, number one, the way forward, don't be caught off guard by hard times. Don't be caught off guard. You know, if we really want to look back, uh, people want to go back to what's normal. Well, you want to know what's normal for the 20th century? World War I, World War II, the Korean War, the Vietnam War, the Great Depression, the Spanish flu, which killed uh, millions of people. The Asian flu, all of these different things sum up that whatever we thought was normal really isn't normal. What is abnormal was from about 2008 when we had the big housing crash to about 2000, I don't know, 19 or 20, we had this real time and we thought we were deserving of it. 
And so we want all of it, we want it to go back to normal. Well, I got news for you. The new normal is this. You will have, you will have struggles. You will face things. The Bible said this, dear friends, in 1 Peter said, dear friends, don't, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come to test you as though something strange were happening to you. The reality is, you know, I, I think of, uh, I can get a little upset sometimes at prosperity pe- preachers who tell people that they're never going to have any problems. Well, that's not what the Bible says. That's not what my experience says. I want to tell you something. You love Jesus. You need to know that you're going to go through difficult days because the Bible has told you boldly and frankly, you're going to struggle. In fact, it says this, don't be surprised when these things are happening to you. Paul warns us, or Peter warns us, that it isn't strange or weird when bad things happen. In fact, it's to be expected. Matthew 24, I almost was going to read that to you today, but you know, we, want to, we want to walk out of here a little more jazz. But Matthew 24 talks about different things like wars and rumors of wars, famines and earthquakes, nations will rise against nation, kingdom will rise against nation, uh, kingdom, wickedness will increase. People will hate one another. People will betray one another. The love of most will grow cold. And you start reading those things and you can get real depressed real quick. But then that sums up, but just so you know, when these things happen, it means one thing more than anything else. It means Jesus is coming back. That at the end of days, when all of these things, in fact, can I step out in faith and just say this? These things, according to scripture, have to happen so that Jesus gets to come back. That when these things take place, the father turns to the sons and he said this, and I'm just paraphrasing here, saddle up, go get them, go get my kids, enough's enough. And Jesus comes and he establishes righteousness and his justice and his mercy and his grace. And I don't know about you, but I look forward to that day more today than ever before in my life. Lord Jesus, come quickly. We need to expect that there will be difficult days. In fact, dare I say, we need to prepare for it. It's time for us to start building our, uh, I was talking to some guy about weightlifting. You know, uh, I don't know about you, but I've, I've, I've gained back my COVID-19 and a few more. It's time to get serious again. We need to prepare and get ready because difficult days are promised to us today. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, Jesus said, I have overcome the world. That is our hope and our joy and our salvation today. Don't be caught off guard. Secondly, and it ties right into this. Number two, you've got to understand something. And I I say this to everyone here today. The world is not your friend. I know you kind of think it is, but the world is not your friend. The world just isn't. John 17, Jesus said these words. He said, I have given them your word and the world has hated them. And the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. Jesus, this is his prayer. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Listen to what Jesus said. We may be in the world, but we're not of the world. If they hated him, they're going to hate us. You need to understand nowadays, the world, the culture of this world, the philosophy, the ideas of this world are no longer ambivalent toward the cross. They are angry at it. People don't like what God has to say. People don't like what the gospel message is. The world is angry at those who will say the truth found in Jesus Christ. Jesus told us that the evil one wants to distract, wants to defeat, wants to destroy us and the work of God, not just in our lives, but in what God wants to do in the world today. This world not only doesn't believe, it is against everything that the cross stands for. 
And I'm not saying that as some old-time crazy preacher guy. I say that from what I'm seeing in the world around me today. The kingdom of this world wants nothing to do with a God who will tell them right from wrong. We're living in a world where right seems wrong and wrong seems right. Where evil is glorified and right is made fun of. How many know what I'm talking about today? You know, we're talking about Alice through the looking glass here. We're, we're talking about an upside down world. If, 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 if we live in a world that wants to choose its own gods, if not ourselves, then pick a little g-god somewhere else. And God says, no. The Bible says there's only one God. And into this kind of world, if you want to move forward in your Christian experience, in your Christ-following days, number three, the way forward, is we got to learn to swim upstream. We can't just go with the flow. We can't just get in our inner tubes and get in the old lazy float river and just float on by. We got to swim upstream. We got to go against the current. That when the world says there is no God, we have to boldly become there is a God. When, there is, when the world says there's no one that can save us, we need to say boldly, there is one whose name is Jesus. He died, he rose again, and one day he's coming back. He's a, he is my savior and he is real today. We need to learn to swim upstream. Christ followers We'll get pushback every time we, we don't go along, but we have to swim upstream anyway. Jesus said we would be reviled because of him, but that's okay. Because this is the life we have chosen. This is the savior we have chosen. We've chosen not to buy into all of the craziness around us. We've taken our stand and it's firmly on the cross, the finished work of Jesus Christ, the empty tomb, the risen savior. This is who we are. And, and I don't mean in some militant revolutionary prideful, this is my place and I, I deserve everything, but humbly say to a lost and dying world, there is a hope and he's found in Jesus Christ. I found him and so can you. That's who we're called to be today. And that's going upstream and against culture. That's why the apostle Paul said, and Mary spoke, touched on this last week, Romans 12 and two, don't be conformed to this, the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Be transformed so that we might know what the will of God is and what is good and acceptable and perfect. Don't get, don't get so caught up in culture. You know, there's this, there's this really good diet called the Mediterranean diet. You ever heard of it? It's supposed to be really healthy. I have no personal experience in it, but I hear it's really good. It's really good, right? Good oils and blah, 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 blah. I don't mean that derogatorily, I just don't know. I say, well, you better learn it, Ray. Okay, I will. But the thing about it is, when, when people eat a Mediterranean diet, come over here are, and are enculturated, become part of our culture and start eating our Western diet, their rates of heart disease, diabetes, and cancer go right up to match our own. See, what happened is, they came over and they became part of our Westernized type of eating and it, it makes them just as Ill, Ill as it makes us, just as sick. See, that's what happens when you, get, when you start being, as uh, John Mark Comer's uh, Live No Lies, and I, again, I recommend the book. He talks about people who come into a culture and become colonized. We become part of that culture, and what God is saying is, don't be enculturated, don't be colonized. Swim upstream. That when right is, is made fun of, you take your humble stand and say, no, 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 wait a minute, we need to think this through. Swim upstream. Don't be led by your feelings, as Mary talked about. Don't be led by your feelings, but become an active listener. I signed up for a couple classes. I think I, I signed up for one on active listening. It was out of the Holy Spirit, and I don't remember. 
sign up for two classes. So my point is we need, we need to listen to what the world is saying and not just buy into it. It's easy to get caught up in what the world is saying and it sounds kind of good, doesn't it? Makes us feel good. It leans into our negative bias anyway, so we buy into what crazy people say because, number one, we're a little bit crazy ourselves, and it just sounds good. And what I think what we're called to do as Christ followers, instead of being conformed, we're called to be transformed. The minute someone else starts talking, uh, uh, like on the news, if you're going to watch the news, if you're going to watch CNN or Fox News, start this way. When they come on, they start talking about stuff, you start this. And you make them prove their point. Because a lot of what they say goes to your feelings instead of your thoughts and your mind, the cognitive part of who you are. It's time to think cognitively. It's time not to be led by our feelings. It's time to say, God, I choose you over this world. I'm going to swim upstream. I refuse to be conformed to the patterns of this world. I choose to be transformed today. Swimming upstream. How do we transform instead of conform? Well, number four, the way forward is this. Know where you're going. In other words, know your destination. I'm not one of those guys you could look at and say, hey, get in the car, let's just drive. I want to know where we're going. I want to know you know the destination. I want to know that you, you, have, you, you, you know where you're going before I get in the car. How many think we ought to know where we're going as Christ followers? We ought to know. We ought to not, you know, most people who just go willy-nilly or go where they want to go end up in a ditch. I want to make, I want to reach my destination. I'm a guy who wants to have the plane tickets, the hotels. I want everything lined out for the next however long we're gone because I want to arrive at my destination. That's living to me. Not showing up where I'm supposed to be, that's never good. The Apostle Paul, I took verses 7 through 14 and I want you to listen up. I'm going to give you his destination. Are you ready? Here it is. But whatever gains... Were gains to me, I now can, I'm just, I'm compressing. But whatever gains were to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. The surpassing worth of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord, that I may gain Christ, be found in him, faith in Christ. I want to know Christ, know the power of his resurrection, participation in his sufferings. I want to become like him in his death. Christ Jesus took hold of me. God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I mean, what you just heard Paul say, say in, in less than, than 10 verses was this. I live for the sake of Christ, knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, gaining Christ, faith in Christ, being found in Christ, knowing Christ, the power of his resurrection, participating in his sufferings, becoming like him in death. Jesus has taken hold of me. God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. For crying out loud, Paul, we get it. You love Jesus. You don't have to go on about it. Oh, but he does. Because the Apostle Paul, for, for the Apostle Paul Jesus, he's not the beginning of the destination. He's not the end of the destination. He's not the start of the journey. He's not the end of the journey. Jesus Christ is the beginning, the end, and the journey itself. He is consumed and wrapped up in who Jesus Christ is. Jesus Christ is not an add-on. He's not an addition. He's not mixed with other philosophies and ideologies. Jesus Christ stands alone absolutely, unequivocally, all by himself. And people like Paul, they get passionate. They get wound. I'm in Christ. It's the power of the resurrection that I may know Christ. Everything else that Paul said is garbage to knowing Jesus Christ. You need to know your destination. Why are you a, a Christian today? Let's change the word. We don't like that anymore. Anyway. Let's, let's call ourselves Christ followers. 
I'm a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's my all. He is my source. He is my, the ending. He's the destination. He's everything today. Now listen, if you're wondering how Paul, the reason Paul was not colonized by culture is because he was so deeply ensconced in a relationship to Jesus. He could go into culture. He could attack culture. He could preach to the people in the world. He could do all these things because he had, has the anchor of his soul, his relationship to Jesus Christ. What's the teaching today? If you want to go out in the world and, and be and not become them, stay who you are, then you need to have those times, those moments where you pull back. We go into the world because Jesus said these worlds, go into, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of, of the age. So get this, get the pattern down. We, we, we fall in love with Jesus. We love Jesus. We spend time with Jesus. And then there's that moment where Jesus in that beautiful communion with you says, get out there. And then we go out there and we preach and we live and we love and we, we think and we listen. And we do those things. Then we come back in once again. Kind of brings me to my next point. If you want to move, the way forward is this. We advance and withdraw. We advance and withdraw. This last Monday, uh, I got invited to the Tacoma Airsoft place where uh, Parker, my 12-year-old now grandson, had uh, some of his friends and they needed one more 12-year-old, so they invited me. <laughs> and we got these really cool, it's, Airsoft is like paint gunning, but it's just with BBs. Hurts just the same, just so you know. <laughs> I got a break on this nail. <laughs> anyway, but you get these really cool looking BB gun contemporary sporting rifles and uh, they look really cool. They go on full automatic and stuff. I feel a little awkward because of what's taking place, but I'm just going to say it anyway. And then you have these battles. You, you square off their team against your team and you try to get them before they get you. You, you play capture the flag. You... you play the last man standing, you play the zombie apocalypse, you play a lot of these things, and they're all fun. But what you do is, it's a two-hour time slot, and so you're shooting and doing all these things, you got your armor gear on, then the, the, the guy says break, and you go back into the red or the green room, and what you do is you reload your BB guns, you, you take a break, you see where you got, you know, you got hit right on top of the head, stuff like that, you nurse your wounds, and you withdraw, and then he says, okay, let's go. And that, so you withdraw, and then you advance again. And you go back out there, and you start shooting, and you start fighting, and you start doing these things again. Then he calls time, and then you withdraw. You advance, you withdraw. You advance, you withdraw. Anyone see where I'm going with this? We advance into the kingdoms of this world, and we proclaim Jesus Christ boldly and with authority. Then we withdraw into the quiet places, and we say, Jesus, I need to be with you. Jesus, I need to spend time. The Bible says in Luke 5 and 8, 16, but Jesus often withdrew to a lonely places and prayed. The Bible says in, uh, put the next verse up there for me if you would. 
After daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. He went out, he advanced, he withdrew. Say, Pastor Ray, which is more important? I think they both are. I think we need times of refreshing where we get in the solitude with Jesus and we read the scripture and we worship and we journal and we do all those little things that none of us really like to do, except a few of us. And then we, then we go back out there in strength because we've been renewed in our spirits. If you're always trying to live on the, uh, in, in the culture out there without any resource, without any strength, without any quiet moments, without withdrawing, you're gonna become enculturated. You're gonna become part of that culture. But if you can balance that off with just getting time alone with God and saying, God, I need you to fill me with your presence once again. I need your wisdom. I need your discernment. I need your very presence in my soul. And then the Holy Spirit comes and he fills us up again and he lets us go right back out there because we're going not in our own strength, but in his. It's time for the church to recognize there must be times of withdrawing and then advancing together. Well, Let me say this. You need to, you need to understand this. Uh, you know, when I talk about going out and advancing, the church is no longer the center of the square in the little towns. You know, if you've driven through little towns in, in the Midwest especially, you go into a square and there's the church. There's the big white church with the steeple. Those are still there because they haven't fallen down yet, but make no mistake, the church isn't the center of people's lives anymore. In fact, I'll say it this way. Most of the culture out there, most of the world doesn't care what the church has to say. We've lost our voice, partly because culture changed so much, partially because, in my opinion, we said the wrong things. We were so interested in our rights, we forgot to show the love of Jesus. That's my opinion, and, and I'm, I'm right. <laughs> I, I, don't mean, I'm not, I hope I don't sound arrogant, but I'm just telling you. We demanded... And, and now we are reaping the whirlwind. We can no longer afford to be men and women who think we can just go out and stand on a preach corner and win the day. We have to go in, we have to, instead of one big army, we have to be groups of SEAL Team Sixes. It's the only thing I could say, I don't know what I'll say. We've got we've to operate from the fringes. We've got to... We've got, we, need, we, we are operating from the margins. We're not the center of anybody's world anymore. Just because we say it, no one cares. That means we have to come in from the margins. We have to, call me crazy here, we have to live life in such a way as people are drawn to the message of Jesus. We have to come in this way and win the day. Not by what we say, but by how we live. Well, that brings us to number six. The way forward. Call me this week. I, uh, I thought of what we talked about and we do need to love people like crazy. So we're going to change some things. It tells you how often my thoughts go in different directions. Let's talk. It's time to find a place, number six, to belong. It's time to find a place. In, uh, in Romans in Romans chapter 11, Paul is recounting the story. I'm not turning there, I'm turning somewhere else. Uh, 
In, uh, in Romans chapter 11, Paul is recounting the words that God spoke to Elijah. Elijah was feeling incredibly bad that he was the only one who loved God. Now I want you to hear what I'm going to have to say here. He thought he was the only one who loved God. He was mad at Israel. He said, God, you need to kill them all because no one's following you but me. He was having a real pity party here, quite honestly. I'm glad I've never had one. But, but that Elijah, that Elijah, off the, he was just struggling. I, I'm glad I've never struggled. But he was feeling pretty bad. And, uh, and, so, and so Paul recounts God's answer. He said this. Put it up there on that screen for me if you would. And what was God's answer to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed their knee to the idol Baal. So too, at the present times, there, there is a remnant chosen by grace. Now I want you to listen. There's a remnant. In other words, there's a smaller group of people that have kept the faith, that have stayed the course, that have trusted in the Lord. A remnant. That's a big deal. In other words, through history, God has always kept back a group of people who have continued to love him and trust in him and not quit nor give up or walk away or become enculturated, but they have hung trusting that God would bring deliverance. Um, as we close today, I want to say something. I don't know many of you I don't know your names. And some of you are coming up and telling me your names and thank you and after 100,000 times I'll remember. But I don't, it used to be before the pandemic, I didn't know everyone then either because it was a lot, we were a large church then. But I, uh, I had a pretty good handle on a lot of people I'd been going to church with for years. I knew them and they knew me. We did life together. And then this pandemic hit and it was painful. Had some people leave because they were just tired of stuff. They were retiring. So they went, moved to Tennessee. Good friends. The Dockeries moved to Tennessee. The Beermans moved to uh, Mississippi and others who just retired. It was that time. But there were others who left because they were angry that I wasn't more angry. There were some who left because I wasn't militant enough. I wasn't demanding my rights mainly because I could find nothing of a scriptural basis that said I should. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. People who I had prayed with them through cancer left and I never heard from them again. You know, we in the church will talk about God doing a pruning. It's, it's actually found in John chapter 15. It's a pruning. I am the true vine Verse 1, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done to you or for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, 
showing yourselves to be my disciples. So it, it's one thing to talk about times of pruning. We, we preachers and pastors will say, well, yeah, no, there's going to be a time of pruning where this is going to happen. It's always fun, more fun to talk about it than to actually watch it happen. See, when times of pruning and people leave, it hurts. I mean, I'm as strong and tough as the next person, I guess. But that was a painful experience, and I told you that. You being here today, by the way, you've done a lot for me personally. Um, but is it just possible that God is wanting? Is it possible that God's bringing together a bunch of strangers? Who don't know each other. Most of you have never been to my house for a meal or anything like that. and I, I don't know where you live either. But is it possible that God's bringing a group of people together that will say this? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Pastor Ray, we want the church to go like, to be like it used to be. Yeah, I thought that too. No. I want God to pour new wine into new wineskins. I believe God's doing a new thing. And he's bringing people from every background, every tribe, every nation, every person throughout this entire valley, and he's bringing them together to do one thing. We will serve the Lord. We will lift up the name of Jesus. And when the world goes crazy around us, we will be the light in the darkness. We will shine like the stars and we will say, hey, I know you're going through a tough time, but listen, there's a God who loves you and he gave his son Jesus to die for you. That's what we'll do. And we will not quit and we will not give up when it would be easy to build a congregation by doing silly things that aren't biblical. We'll say no. And we'll point people to Jesus. And we'll worship God. And we'll pray and we'll study and we'll yield and we'll kneel and we'll take our stand on our knees. A bunch of people who don't know each other. But we all know him. Yeah, that's what I want. So welcome to a place where the pastor doesn't know you and you don't know me. But if we'll hang together long enough, if we'll get in the trenches together and we'll fight the good fight and then we'll have times of withdrawal and just being by ourselves with the Lord and then we'll get back out there, we can change culture. Culture does not have to win. And it'll happen in a group of people that aren't used to each other yet but we'll hang together and we'll get in groups small enough to start to know each other's names. If you're, listen, I know what it is to look for a church. Well, actually, I don't personally because <laughs> I've been here a long time. Which brings me to another point. Instead of looking back on the last 34 years, maybe it's time for me to look to the next few years. Right? Lost my train of thought there. I want God to do something good. We'll get to know each other. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Some of you, listen, I know what church shopping is. I know what church shopping is. I really do. You got you to gotta look. It, the only thing harder than finding a church is finding the right person to marry and deciding on when you want your first kid. Church, it's hard. 
Okay, I'm going to say this, and I say this lovingly. Some of you need to quit looking. Some of you are going to this church and some other churches. I don't care where you go, but you need to, you need to land. And you need to belong somewhere. It can be here. It can be there. But we're not a supermarket. We're not consumers. We are Christ followers. So find a place and land. And get in the battle and join us. Because we've got some great things in store. Amen. One more thing. Then I'll close in prayer. One more thing. In case there's three or four people I haven't offended yet. Can I just tell you how God's been faithful? Taylor, I don't even think we've introduced you yet. This is Taylor Lindbergh. And Carolyn, would you stand real quick? That's his wife, Carolyn. Uh, he's leading our, our, our worship ministry. And, uh, you know, you're talented. Don't get me wrong. But what I love is your spirit. So, uh, see, when you think it's not going to get any better, God sends along a Taylor Lindbergh. When you think all is lost, God sends along a, a Daniel and a Taylor. Would you guys stand up for me? Give him a hand. When you think, oh no, what are we going to do? God sends along a Mariah who sings. I am so excited today. I don't know what to do with myself. One of the, uh, because we, uh, one of my favorite leaders in history is Winston Churchill. Some of you don't know who he is and that tells me the state of our education system. Great leader during World War II. Great leader. Right after Dunkirk, remember that movie Dunkirk? Maybe I can put it in the way you will remember. When 300 thousands of men were saved from Dunkirk, and one of Gen General Wyland said this, the battle for, for France is over, we've lost. Winston Churchill got up in his third speech and he says this, my general says that the battle for France is over and the battle for Britain has just begun. He said, the enemy, he said Hitler, knows that he has to destroy us. He has to, he has to destroy Great Britain because if he destroys that, he destroys the basis of Western civilization Christian civilization, he said, even the United States will suffer and we will all be thrown into a deep abyss because of this man, Hitler. Then Churchill gets Churchillian. He says, but we were going to fight. We're not going to quit. No matter how strong it looks, no matter how bleak it looks over here, we're going to continue to fight. And he said these words, he said, in a thousand years from now, should Great Britain still exist, may those who are around in a thousand years say of us in this day, this was their finest hour. May it be said of the church, the church that's brand new today, 
may it be said of us, this. Right here is our finest hour. Because we will not lay down for culture. We're not going to defeat culture. We're going to win culture to Jesus. Amen. Stand with me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, hear our hearts cry. Bind us together as one in your son's name, in Jesus' name. May we fight the good fight. May we withdraw into times of being alone with the Lord and then our, our Savior and then going back out there. Withdraw in advance. May we no longer be surprised. May we prepare ourselves for the next dilemma, the next pandemic, the next battle. May we become battle-ready veterans of the cross. This is my prayer. May we look at how we, we feel health-wise and Lord, may we take up the fight once again. May we overcome our emotions and learn to let our thinking happen first and then how we feel. And may your word become powerful. May our relationship with you become everything that I may know Christ in the power of his resurrection. God, do a work I pray in Jesus' name, right here, right now. Let this be our finest hour in Christ's name. Let's sing together.